You're an all-star, get your game on, go play. Hey now, you're a rock star, get the show on, get paid. Welcome to another episode of the NRL Supercoach All-Stars Podcast. This is Barnsley, back for another week in the NRL. And joined once again, we've got Billy, who must be flying high after a massive Eels win on the weekend. Mate, it's electrifying. It's amazing what home ground advantage will do for you. <laughs> yeah, the stadium looked really good as well. It was good that it was full and everything. Yeah, wish wish I could have been there, mate. It would have been really enjoyable. But yeah, a thousand bucks round trip, I'll skip that one. <laughs> yeah, a bit far for you. Um, so let's get stuck into the, the mailbag for this week um, because we want to get through as much as we can. Um, so the very first question for our mailbag for this week is a really interesting one. Uh, what do you think of Whitebread's job security is like when Wallace comes back next week? Potential trap, cheapy this week if he gets dropped next week, even though he likely plays the first buy. Um, and that one's from Matthew. So Whitehead's, uh, White, uh, sorry, Whitbread, it should be, Whitbread is an interesting one. Um, Ryan James has been confirmed today with an ACL tear, so he's gone for the season. That's obviously going to open up some opportunities. Uh, Foetuaki, who I pronounced probably very wrong, um, got to start last week, and Proctor was um, a late scratch. Proctor's going to be named this week. Do you see Whitbread, though, as someone who might be able to do well in Ryan James' absence? Yeah, I think so. Um, I had a... When... When you asked me this question before, went and had a quick look. The beneficiary of the minutes when um, uh, when Ryan James went off was Max King, so he, he his minutes doubled. He went from 22 to 42, and Whitbread stayed about the same, but he had 37 last week and 40 this week. So um, Jack Stockwell had been dropped, and you've got um, Sammy coming onto the bench. Um, I don't see any reason why Sammy would be there long term as, as a as a fourth reserve. So, um, if anyone's going to get dropped, I, I, I reckon I reckon it'll be him or probably Keegan Hipgrave. Hipgrave's only been doing sort of twenty twenty five minutes, so unless he's a massive impact forward, which I can't really see, I reckon it's probably um, uh, King with King with with Bread um, Wallace and either the, either the um, the utility interchange or sort of hit grade, but yeah, I reckon he's probably sort of third in the packing order there, still with forty minutes, mate. Okay, yeah, he's he's just played his second game, so this is a week to get him if you think that he's going to go well. But um, he'll be rising up after this week. He's got a minus twenty four be, one hundred eighty one k. I will admit that I looked at him myself. I'm just really not sure how the Titans are going to handle it. And as well, everyone's got to remember that um, the Proctor was a late out last week as well, and Proctor's going to be back now. So really, they were missing two players last week, James and Proctor. And like you said, Billy, he didn't get heaps more minutes. Um, he did do pretty well. Yeah, it's, it's probably not for me. I, I can see it working out, maybe. Um, and he does have the minus 24 BE, so he's going to make some cash. He is going to play round 12 if he can make it to them. Yeah, I'm probably going to give him a miss. I think that there's just some better options, but I probably wouldn't also say that someone's really wrong yet in getting him in. I think the next couple of weeks we'll have a better answer on it. Yeah, it's a long time to hold, mate. I'd rather sort of leave him for now. Um, if for some reason he kills it this week with those you know, 40, 45 minutes off the bench and scores 50 points, then you can take the hit and evaluate it again next week. But for this week, I, I'd probably pass, eh? Yeah, that's the other thing too. It's a really good point, Billy, that um, you know, if he does get bigger minutes um, this week, so say he goes up you know, from 40-odd minutes to 50-odd minutes, that's going to be the case for the rest of the year because it's not like Ryan James is coming back. So even though you're going to miss out on that first rise, 
um, you know, you're pretty much you're going to have some sort of indication on what his minutes are going to be going forward. So if he's going to get a lot more minutes, and you know, ten extra minutes is you know twenty percent extra minutes on what he was doing, twenty five percent extra minutes on what he was doing, then he's going to still keep doing well even after that first rise. So yeah, I, I, I wouldn't be getting him this week. I'd be waiting and seeing. So next question for this week: Should we start stocking round twelve players, or should we be getting keepers guns at a discounted rate? Uh, and this one was from a few people, Dean Timms, um, Sam Ford, a couple of uh, great listeners, and also a couple other guys brought up similar points. So also around the keepers versus guns um, argument at this point, um, because we are coming up towards round 12. Um, guys like Masters or Origin players like Latrell, Clemmer or Cleary at this point are close to Origin, um, but they are looking good value and they are going to be good points. Uh, where do you sort of stand on this one, Billy? Do, would you be bringing in some of these guns, even though they're going to um, be going on origin duty in like you know five or six weeks, or would you be sticking to trying to get the well the round twelve guys in now for the cover? It depends on the on the on the person. Um, we've touched on it briefly, but uh, as an example, so the only person I would be considering this week would be someone like um, Latrell Mitchell. Like if he wasn't named at six with a reasonable B uh, break even. Um, his opposition teams that he's coming up in the next couple of weeks uh, are sort of known to leak, leak points against um, uh, centres and goal-kicking centre. He's probably due to bounce back. Um, if you've got like a guy like Zeri who's playing there instead, who's likely to score the same as if you don't need to worry about it. But if you if with um, with Nakore out this week, and if you're having to play someone like a um, um, one of those cheap sort of uh, like a Rabalawa or a Sevo or something? Yeah, someone like that. Then absolutely you get him in because the potential difference between 20 points versus 60 points probably uh, outweighs um, the, the points you would, the points your um, your body cover would actually score in round 12. And you've got to factor in all the games between now and round 12. Another example would be, um, uh, what do you call it, um, uh, Gerbo. So he's, he's currently punching um, uh, below, his, below his average, but he, he's got three games at home over the, over the next couple of weeks. Uh, and I think the opposition he's playing against uh, second rowers or back rowers generally go well. So I reckon he's probably one to bounce back. So we've been against him all year, but this might be the time to pick up a person like Lateral or um, or Gerbo or, or potentially even someone like like maybe you know, Gutherson if, if you think he's going to continue on, on this trajectory who actually does play round 12. Yeah, I'm I'm a little bit... I'm going to answer this one without answering it. <laughs> so it's going to be one of those... I don't think it's a yes or no one here on which way you go. Uh, I think it's really team specific for me. So, I mean... If, you're, if you've already got, like, I think that I've got uh, 11 potential guys already playing round 12. So for me, uh, I, I think I'm fine. I can probably bring in a couple of guys. Like, if I didn't have a Cleary or, or a Latrell Mitchell, I could probably bring them in in the next couple of weeks. And it wouldn't matter for me that they're going away for origin duty because I'm going to have enough, enough trades to sort of get to around 15 players pretty easily because I've already got 11 for round 12. Um, if I only had sort of six or seven players for round 12, then it would be a different story, uh, and that sort of team would probably need to prioritise uh, the round 12 guys first. Yeah, very team-specific. Um, depends on where your holes are in your team and stuff as well. Generally speaking, um, where I sort of see this being round 7, um, I reckon that you can pick and choose. So I reckon you could have a punt on maybe, you know, get one star guy in that's maybe going to be an origin player that you don't have, um, but just make sure that you don't get two or three or four of those guys over the next three or four weeks in because that's going to stuff you around 12. So like we always say, Billy, for me, it's it's about planning. If you're going to get uh, Latrell Mitchell in this week, I think you can do it. That's fine. But just make sure that you planned ahead that the next few weeks you're going to be able to get your round 12 numbers in and you're going to be able to make those trades as well. 
Yeah, use Ponga as an example last week. He's obviously not playing round 12, but with his break-even and him going back to fullback and his dream run, he's likely to score very high. So he's an example of a person, a non-playing uh, round 12 guy that you would pick up, but you're not going to pick up you know, three or four of those guys. You pick up the one or two that to mitigate the damage that other people are going to score against you because most people have got them. So this week, you potentially you potentially look for, you know, you go for harsh this week and a potential buy-cover guy, depending on the break-evens. But yeah, it comes down to personal choice and position. Yeah, and, and like the question also said, there is some value, guys, and this is a point of the season where you do have value with some players, um, like Latrell Mitchell's obviously dropped, you know, 100 grand or something at this point, so his, his price is cheap comparatively to his start price. Um, plenty of other guys are in the same boat. Nathan Cleary's been doing really well. You can get value for points, and that's always important, and, you know, we are only coming up to round seven, so I'd definitely be looking value for points with some of these guys. I would say, though, don't get someone in if you're just going to trade him out again in a month. Um, so, you know, if you're going to get Latrell Mitchell in, uh, I'd stick and just hold um, and make sure that you've got the team where you can just stick and hold. If you can't tell the difference on who your preference is going to be between a Masters and Latrell Mitchell, which was an example that we got in the question, uh, then I would always go for the non-Origin player, which is going to be Masters. Only because, you know, in that thinking, you reckon that they're both the same and you can't choose. Well, grab Masters because at least he's going to play the second buy. And again, like I said, whoever you get in like that, I'd be trying to hold them for the whole time, all the way through. Yeah. So. And like Barnsley's uh, saying, guys, just remember, it, there's still well, five, six rounds between now and round 12. So if you're going to go someone with a massive break-even like you know Mitchell Moses, just keep in, in mind that's a lot of coin to, um, to pay for someone who you have to play between now and round 12 who... who could quite potentially drop in drop in coin uh, before you actually get to round twelve as well. So although you're riding the uh, the price rise, there is potential for the dry, for the price drop. So be careful who, who be careful what you wish for. <laughs> yep, exactly. Uh, next question uh, from Tim Reynolds: Who are the best round twelve targets to hold as keepers through round sixteen and to the end for your final twenty to twenty one man squad? So this is a good one, and it's a good extension from the last question because uh, guys that you're trading in now would be great if you can get some value guys that you're going to keep for your end-of-season squad, but they're also going to cover run t- round 12. You know, for me, Sam Burgess sticks out to me, Billy. He plays round 12, um, and he's looking like a front-row forward keeper. Um, Kikau is another guy that hasn't hit his stretch yet, um, but he sticks out to me as well. And then there's probably guys that have a little bit more risk but more upside. So Clint Gutherson we're going to talk about in a little while, but, um, you know, he's someone who could definitely be a, a, a final centre-wing guy and that does play round 12 as well. Uh, and then the elephant in the room is uh, everyone forgets about this guy. It's a, not a bad player, Tomololo. He's, um, everyone's forgotten that he's one of the best players in Supercoach, but he's been out so long he's, he's going to be coming back shortly. And when he is, he's definitely someone that you could have for round 12 and, and keep all the way through as well. So those are sort of my top few guys that came to mind, Billy. Did you have any different ones? Yeah, Rhys Martin, as soon as Dean Pay decides to play him um, in the starting 13. Yeah, how I knew you were going to bring up Martin. I didn't have him on those list of guys because I think he's a little bit riskier and we still need to see the minutes. Yeah, look, as long as he's starting, he'll be fine. As long as he's getting sort of 60, although ideally you'd like to you'd like to see consistent 80. Um, I had, had to see on him last week, so I was filthy about that. He went from captaining my team to sitting on the bench doing nothing. You've got to you've got to watch the minute rotation. So he's obviously not a buy this week. You can sit back and watch him for a couple of weeks, but um, he might be that type of guy that you sit and wait for sort of round round 10, 11, because it's not like he's priced at 400k, so he's not going to get out of reach. He might fluctuate a little bit. The only thing you might miss out on is a potential game where he scores 120, but 
um, not many people are going to own him. Only me and a couple, a couple of other wines that sort of sit and sit and throw money in the wishing well. Um, so he's one. Gene Fisher Harris might even might, might might even be a smoky if he keeps playing 80 minutes. Um, you got people like Aidan Tolman who who who've, um, I think played 70 70 or 71 minutes last week. So that obviously um, severely inflated his score. But you can have guys like that floating around that you can sort of pick off at the last minute as well. So they're not guys that you have to get straight away. Like you'd obviously target your um, you know, your kickers and your Martins and players like that. But you can but you can pick off guys like. Um, Bryce Cartwright or Tomlin or JF, JFH um, just right at the last minute and also potentially wait for someone like Walker to sort of uh, peak in price and come back from seven grand and hopefully maybe sort of a more affordable price. I don't think many of those guys are going to want in your um, final 20 to 21 man squad though. Having said that, Walker's an interesting one that you mentioned. He's definitely a, a good option to trade in and just keep as an ultimate pod that's going to play round 12 yeah. and you could have in the end as a backup six. Yeah, I think to, to answer your question, I think the top four there would be um, Walker, Walker, Gutherson, Reese Martin, and um, yeah, like your, your Tom Olalo, maybe chucking a kick out maybe. Yep, I've got Sammy Burgess up there as well. So next one, obvious round 12 options are looking less convincing. So guys like Martin, Kikau and Tapao, those three guys aren't going as well. Should we skip some of those guys and just wait for Lolo and get some other players in? That one comes from Adrian. So, good point raised by Adrian. Um, Tapao has been a lot worse um, than what we've been expecting. He's well below his his numbers that um, we've seen from him before, and a lot of that's to do with minutes. But can't get away with the fact that he's scored 53, 48, and 54 points the last three weeks, and his minutes the last three weeks have been 48, 39, and 50. So, you know, he's barely averaging 45 minutes a game. Um, the last three weeks, and for the season, he's still only averaging, you know, low 50s. He's looking like someone that, you know, maybe Adrian's got a point. You know, if someone's going that badly, and Martin's got that job security issue, and Kikau's not setting the world on fire, should you just wait and see if they're going to actually start going well, or if they bought him out, would you bite the bullet and just get him in anyway? Uh, I'd, I'd wait on them, um, but regardless of how they're performing, I would still get someone like that for um, round twelve. And the reason is, um, you, you learn from you learn from mistakes in life. Uh, last year, I said to you and a few others prior, I'm not going to get my, I'm not going to get Lolo. They, they they can average well, but you don't know how they're going to perform, so I'm just going to skip them. Well. Last, what happens in the buy rounds is that players of that quality they just get increased minutes to to look after their own teams, and that's what happened. Lolo played inflated minutes, Martin played inflated minutes, and both of them scored a ton. So, I think pretty much ninety percent of the coaches ended up VCing and, and uh, vice captaining or captaining either one or the other, and pretty much everyone sort of doubled up on the ton and got the other. So, if you don't own both those guys, there is a highly likelihood that you're going to miss out on between two hundred fifty and three hundred points. So, do you want to take that risk? I'd get at least one of them. And even if they're not performing, be prepared for the fact that they're going to play inflated minutes, especially Lolo. Yeah, I mean, I, I like Adrian's point on waiting for Lolo. Um, I wouldn't not get those guys in at all and just get Lolo because I think that you need more players than that for round 12 of that quality. But I would make sure that Lolo's your number one priority. So I wouldn't be getting, say, to power in if it means that you're going to struggle to get Lolo in in the next few weeks. Um, when he returns, yeah, hundred percent. Lolo is the only one that I would I would uh, move heaven and earth to get straight away, or as or as soon as that that, that knee shows uh, signs of life, and there's, there's uh, you can guarantee he's going to run healthy. Yep, definitely. Um, where would you rank these guys? Um, I, I definitely reckon that you could leave one of these guys out, 
Um, I think that's fine, particularly when you've got other guys that are premium forwards like Sammy Burgess um, and also some guys that can be fillers that you've already got in your squad, like maybe a Bryce Cartwright. So, I mean, Martin Kikau and Tapao, you know, where would you rank them as far as, you know, your number one option to the number three option out of those guys for round 12? Martin on top, Tapao second, Kikau third. Ooh, interesting. I um I can't get on board Martin that high yet. I've got um kick out Martin to power are my options in that order. Um, one of the things that kills to power for me a little bit is um that he's at prop. Um, and there's guys like a uh, Blake that are pretty unheralded, and Paulo who are doing better than what he is, who are cheaper. Um, and I think Sam Burgess is in a lot of teams as a lock and load for the front row forward spot. So yeah, a slightly different one. Um, but yeah, to answer your question, um, Adrian, just to wrap it up. Um, I don't think you can you can't let all those guys go. You have to get Lolo in for sure. So Lolo is your first priority. Make sure you can do that. Um, but I would reckon that you need two out of those three guys out of Martin Kikau and Tapao for round twelve. Um, so next question, um, heaps of people have said this one, Billy. They want to know whether Gutho is still a trade in, or should we wait until round twelve, or is it possible that he plays Origin? He's now over six hundred thousand, so he's significantly more than um, what he started at. And just having a quick look at his stats, because we haven't spoken too much about Gutho, um, other than us saying that he's going to drop back down to earth, but he scored 88 points on the weekend, and you can say, oh, you know, the Eels flogged him and everything, but before that he scored 50, 79, 96, 92, 58. His lowest score is 50, and we are six games in now, so it's a decent sample size, and he's averaging a massive 77. So I think that we're going to have to start to give him a bit more respect soon and just say that, He's going to be a good centre wing for this year. And it's a matter of, you know, do you think the people should bite the bullet and just get him in now if they want him at 608k? Or should they wait closer to round 12? Depends who he's replacing. Um, I tried to get him this week, but I'm a bit short. so But I'm also not that disappointed about it because if I want to catch the people in front, I don't want to be riding on their heels with the same player. So I'm going to hope he sort of bounces back to earth a little bit and um, someone else in the heels sort of team sort of moves them around the park for now. But yeah, he, he looks bloody good, and he is surprising me. I, I wasn't uh, wasn't prepared for this sort of average without without Golki. That's the only reason I didn't get him to start the start of the season. But he's um yeah he's just having just seems to be having at least one or two try assists per game. And although I can sit back and say that you know, you know he's 93 score whatever what was had had uh, two tries and a linebacker assist doesn't matter he scored them so it's kind of like saying oh Teddy wouldn't average you know, 74 without tries he yep. does so that's a fullback job mate. Yeah, exactly. His base is 32 points, which isn't too bad. Um, and that's just his pure base, but he's got the TBs and everything going. And like you said, I believe that he's now, after the weekend, got 10 tries. He's just, I think at this point, we have to just say that Gutho's a big part of their attack and it's just what he's going to do. They do have Newcastle this week. Um, a couple of harder games with St. George and Melbourne, the next couple. And then the Cowboys and Panthers, which are a bit easier um, with the... South Sydney side for the buy round 12. Um, I, I don't mind getting him in this week. If you've got the cash too, I think it's okay, mainly because I think if you want those points in your centre wing now, you've still got um, you know quite a few rounds until we hit that round 12 buy. If you're pretty stacked, yeah. if you're pretty stacked at centre wing though, Billy, um, one thing that I will point out, if you don't really need him now and you've, you've got a bit of a stacked centre wing, I think you can just wait. I don't think he's going to be heaps more expensive than what he is and it's probably going to be easier to work it in at the round 12 point. I don't think that he's going to play Origin, but it's always going to be a chance, and at least when we get towards round 12, you'll kind of know that either way. 
I can't see him playing Origin, mate. He's um the only place he would he would play is fullback, and Teddy's there. He's not fast enough to be on the wing. He's just he's just doing really well by doing a lot of support play at the moment. Like I can't see him being there. I can't even see him being on the bench. Um, I was looking at centre though, uh, potential centre option. I reckon they probably want someone a little bit sort of bigger there, mate. But um, yeah, I think you're right. And the the one, the, uh, just to quote um, what the guys were saying on on, on the TV um, during the game, they said the bit. They think the biggest difference in in the game is, is pretty much twofold. It's the fact that um, Corey Norman isn't there, so Mo- Moses is calling more more of the shots and um, coordinating the team, which you can obviously see. But secondly, Gutterson, they said, look, he's got a year, year under his belt. He seems a lot more confident with those knees now, and he's just running, running the ball and calling shots a bit more. So I think they pretty much hit the nail on the head there. So those extra try assists just from him, him moving around the park and getting more of that second receiver as opposed to uh, Mo- Moses and Norman fighting over the ball and him just getting the dregs. Yeah, I reckon that that's a big part of it as well. And the the other thing too is that he's playing for a contract. So he's got a point to prove and that always helps as well. Um, I don't actually think that the Eels are going to go as well as what they have for the second half of the season. Um, I think they're going to come back down to earth a little bit. Newcastle on paper looks like a good game for them this week. But if any if rugby league's taught us anything, um, when a team absolutely destroys a team one week, it's not necessarily good for them the following week. Um, sometimes the emotion and getting up and the, the ease that they put the points on the Tigers, that may not translate well to this week, um, especially if they take Newcastle a bit easy. Newcastle completely are under siege. They've got backs to the wall, getting hammered. The coach is under pressure. They're 1-5. and five. They're going terrible. So it's they've got a good side. They're going to click at some point. When you've got teams under that much pressure with that much talent in their side, it's always really dangerous, um, and especially when you're going to go play them at home at Newcastle. So... Yeah, he's got to be 70. I wouldn't mind waiting for him myself, and I'm probably going to in my team. I'm going to wait until we get closer to round 12 because he's not going to go up heaps of cash anyway, um, and I reckon my centre wing's okay as it is. I wouldn't begrudge anyone. If your centre wing's really weak and you're playing two or three rookies and you need to get a centre wing in now, I would rather get Clint Gutherson in than, say, Latrell Mitchell because at least you've got round 12 cover. So if that's the case, then go for it. Yeah, agree. It just depends who you're cutting for him. Um, I've still got the only way I could get him would be to cut Flegler, and he's still got a bit of coin left in him. So I'll, I'll wait and sort of play Zarius week instead, which I think is just as good. Yep. Um, so then we've got a, a bit of a specific Gutho trading question. So Kyle Robson's doing real well. He's ranked 900 at the moment. So always happy to help out some guys that are trying to, you know, have their top 1,000 super coach seasons and move up the ranks. So Kyle is... we should be asking him for advice, mate. <laughs> So Kyle said, is Gutho a trade-in? Um, I'm mindful of top guys already having him. Should I be looking at Latrell and Moses instead? Um, they're much less owned. He's got 640k to spend on a centre wing, fullback 5'8", and he's got RTS, Cleary, Ponga already with Bateman, Nakora, yep. Capewell, CMK at centre wing. Um, mate, where you are ranked, um, sometimes the best strategy is just to cancel out the opposition. So um, the, the mere fact that Lateral Mitchell is moving to um, potentially moving to number number six at the moment, he could go to the pod, but he could score a 20 or he could score 120. Lloyd Gutherson is playing at the moment. He's actually um, got a decent break even. Uh, he's playing really well. His average is obviously 77, like Barnsley said. He's like, he, covers, he covers around 12. He might just be the guy that you get in just to negate the, the people above you and, he, and you just continue on your run inside the top sort of um, a few hundred and you're, you're, and then that way your pod move isn't worrying about them. It's just 
about flying uh, one other guy or one, one VC option here and there and just beating him on the, beating him on the buys. So I, I, in your position, I would go Gutherson. Yeah, I would too. Um, and I'm going to give an example here. If you were ranked 10,000, um, then I think the prod option is probably a better option. But because you're already ranked at 900, um, you want to keep up with the leaders rather than take the riskier move of trying to have um, you know someone that's not owned much at all in the top few thousand people. So because you're already ranked 900, you don't have that far to go. You don't need to make risky moves um, and you don't need to make that many pod moves. I would probably do a more calculated pod move um, in a different position. Um, and because Gutherson, like Billy said, is going so well, uh, at 900 with your ranking, I think that there's too many points in Gutherson at the moment that the guys in front of you are getting. Um, and if you're already at 900 without him, if you get Gutho in now, like Billy said, you're going to cancel out those big points that the um, guys in front of you might get, and you'll probably end up catching them a little bit easier. So I would, I would be getting Gutho in instead of those other guys. Yeah, perfect example. Like if he's having to play um, uh, Ockenbore in instead of... Um... Uh, Gutho this week and the people ahead of you play Gutho and Ocker scores 20 again and Gutho scores 88 again then you move 68 points behind so safe move might be just to cancel it out yeah and look if I was if I was at 30,000 or something um, you know like maybe it's better to go for a pod move like a BJ Leilua or even a Jared Croker who's really cheap or something and you can hope that they start to put some some stuff together and they're going to play round 12 as well but um, in your position Cole mate you're doing really well already um, negate what they're putting on you each week with Gutherson and just get him in. Uh, next one's a, a specific one as well. Um, so Robert Pauly's asked, he's still got Napa, um, and there's going to be a lot of people that still have Napa in their team. Is he worth keeping for round 12 now? And in brackets, surely he doesn't make origin. Um, also, is Kickout Polo or Burgess a decent buy with round 12 in mind? So we've already spoken about Kickout Polo and Burgess, but probably um, if, you were ha- if you had Napa in your side... I'll go first with this one, Billy. I would be trading Napa right now. Um, there's potential because of Queensland's stick stick policy that they have, where if Napa's healthy, maybe he'll um he'll go straight into the side. Um, the reality is, though, uh, with that injury, you know, he might be struggling as a big man when he comes back anyway. Um, so you might not even get much out of him round 12 as it is. So I just think it's a risk that you don't need. If you could go to a um, a Kikau or a Burgess. Um, I'd be doing that straight away if I was Robert. Yeah, um, we all know Dean Pay puts his best players on the bench anyway, so he might uh, be away from, um, having a rest for another couple of months, mate. Um, <laughs> honestly, I would just chuck him down, chuck him down to Payne Haas and use that extra 250k to bolster elsewhere and do that right now. Um, if you really wanted it, wanted it, wanted the dogs pod, you could pick up. Um, um, uh, Co- uh, Corey Two Dads, sorry, Harawira. Not what's his bloody name? Corey Two Dads. <laughs> Harawira Naira. <laughs> you could pick him up. Uh, you could pick him up instead a little, a little bit later down the track as a centre three quarter replacement. So, yeah, um, the fact that he scored eighty seven and eighty three, those are anom- anomalies, mate. That's not going to keep going. So don't worry about missing out on points. And he gets to the fifty three minutes, uh, so forty three to fifty three minutes anyway. And with that dog's pack, that's not that's not going to be sustainable. So, yeah, just uh, I would get rid of him, mate. No point keeping. Yep, agreed. Um, so now a couple of specific player questions for round twelve. Um, first one's from Andrew Hardwick. Andrew's trying to decide between Sam Burgess and Reese Martin. For me, this is a no-brainer. I'm Sam Burgess all the way out of those two because there's just no risk with him, and I think he's a keeper till the end without risk of that. And he's a front row forward keeper, which, as we've said plenty of times, um, that you know they can have a lower score and be more valuable because this isn't the points in front row forward compared to second row forward where Reese Martin is. 
So that one's pretty easy for me, but I know that you're a Reese Martin lover and believer, Billy, so you might be different. Well, only if there was a guarantee that he's starting, but there's no guarantee, so I would I would take surges for now. Yep. Um, next one. Unless, oh, unless, okay. unless, unless you're sort of just outside the top 1,000 and you want to make up some serious ground, um, you could take a Hal Mary. If he's listed the start this week, you could take a Hal Mary that, you know, he's, he's going to keep that, that starting spot. But um, if you're going to do it, I would chuck the captaincy on him. You, you, you're going to take a risk for a <laughs> Oh, that's massive. <laughs> I couldn't do that. There's a chance that Pay puts him on the bench an hour before kickoff. Well, as long as he's listed the start. Yeah, so do the make sure you do the trade like 30 minutes before kickoff, so you know that he's there. Yeah, yes. I might even take the leave of base and do it again this week. I'm not sure if I'll be seeing or seeing, but at least you know he's going to get. If he's going to start, you know he's at least going to get to the 60 minutes. You just want to see him go over the line. Yeah, I'm, I'm definitely on Burgess in that one. But the next one is a really interesting one. So. Rick Harrington is a uh, long-time podcast listener, so always appreciate you guys. Um, and he's brought up a guy that we haven't even spoken about hardly all year. Is Adam Reynolds an underrated player for the Round 12 buy coverage? So A-Ray is 479k. He hasn't set the world on fire, but he's been going okay. He's at 57 points a game at the moment. He's got a decent draw coming up with uh, Penrith, Broncos, Cows, Canberra, Tigers and Eels. So that South draw, I don't think, could be much better, particularly when the more fancy sides like um, Penrith and the Broncos are in crisis mode at the moment. Uh, and he's obviously the goal kicker as well, and goal kick- kicking halves are great. He's got a 64B this week, so he's going to stay pretty steady probably. Um, but he's a guy that I haven't really looked at at all, Billy. He's a halfback for round 12, and um, maybe um, maybe Rick's got a point. What do you think about A-Ray? Don't do it. The last four games, he's had Gold Coast, Manly, New Zealand, and Bulldogs, and he has a collective average against those four teams of 54. The last three, he's averaged 45. That's kicking goals against Manly, New Zealand, and Bulldogs. Don't do it. The reason is he's got he's got zero passing game. He all he does is chip. Um, so he's a chip kicker. Chucks, chucks in a couple of grubbers, but he just doesn't have just doesn't have um, what, what the X factor. Um, the only reason you would get him is if, for some reason, Walker, Walker made origin. He was the only playmaker, and pretty much um, he were, um, you were desperate, and you just needed some kind of half, uh, and you could burn a couple of trades. But I would not even bother with him. Um, I would much rather take an AE, like a wing AE, than play him if I had to, mate. Just completely forget about him. I'll probably say, in Rick's defence, he's probably the best halfback available for round 12. I just wouldn't do it, and... This is where you can look at your side for round 12 and say, I'm going to aim for 15 players. And it's always good with that planning as well to go, okay, these are the positions that I think are going to be best for me not to play someone in. And obviously the center wing um, and the the forward, um, front row forward and, and second row forward especially have um, the, most, the most spots that you can throw guys in. They've got the most options. They're the biggest volume of players to choose from. Whereas, you know, halfback, hooker, um, they've only got one person. They've only got one spot, and they don't have that many players to choose from in the league. That's why you know Reynolds is probably the number one guy for round twelve. But even though he's the number one guy for round twelve, you're going to be better off having an extra second rower instead of him, or you know an extra gun center wing instead of him. So I, I'm actually going to do what Billy just suggested. Halfback, I already know he's going to be my AE. Um, halfbacks just going to be my AE. Um, I'm going to cop that as one of the guys that I don't have for round 12. Uh, I think that's a better option than getting in Adam Reynolds because the problem is with guys like Reynolds, and I've done this before with guys like Corey Norman when he was at Parramatta and I've got them for round 12, 
you end up getting stuck with them. And, you know, they're not terrible. Like, you know, Reynolds has done 57 last week, which is solid. A couple of lower ones of 43 and 37, and then some good ones to start the year of 81, 56, and 69. But you're just going to get a lot of those real mediocre scores of, you know, a, a 52 and a 56 and stuff. And it's not the worst in the world, but you're losing ground with the other halfback options. It's just not someone that you're going to want to play outside of round 12 very much. So I'm with Billy. Yeah. Take an AE there. Yeah, the only other thing is um, who are you going to get rid of to put him there too? You would have to get rid of um, Cleary or SJ or something or other because um, um, most people will more than likely still have a, a CHT there. Um, he, uh, only being available half, and he he has um, Storm in round 13, so you're not going to be playing him against a Storm. So you would have to be banking on playing Reynolds for round 12 as well as 13, because they're both um, only available at seven. And he has he's got nine, so it wouldn't so it wouldn't be the worst. Uh, let me just have a quick look. Cleary Cleary's got the Roosters, so Cleary will be Cleary will miss round 12, and then come back back against the Roosters. So it wouldn't be the worst strategy to get rid of rid of Cleary. Um, but you, a lot of people by them might even own sort of um, Sean Johnson, and he 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 he's got dogs in round thirteen. So yeah, look, each each to, each to their own. But I would probably rather take an A A there and um, uh, get a much keep a much better seven for that middle run. Yeah, it's and it's not just even round thirteen. It's it's those all those games leading up to the next buy. Um, so you'd have to be pretty comfortable that. Um, you know, Reynolds is going to at least stay on par with what, say, Cleary or Sean Johnson's going to do. Because if, um, you know, say you've got Sean Johnson or Cleary, if those guys score 10 points a game more than him um, post-buy and Reynolds chucks up a 30-something in round 12, your, your points aren't any better by having that number in round 12. In fact, they're worse because you can get an AE of someone from another position if you do it well and just get a 16th man that way. So, yeah, it's, yep. just don't do it. Um, or actually, I will say though, if you're a team that hasn't made all your trades and you you actually save, you know, half of the trades that you could have made going out round twelve, and you got trades coming out of everywhere, um, I don't think many teams will be like that. But if you do, then that's when you can just start burning trades and you can do stuff like that just for a couple of weeks. But um, otherwise, I wouldn't do it. Too late to bring in Ze- uh, Cherry, and um, I, I realised during the week that his his name is pronounced Cherry, not Zeri. So apologies, Mr. Cherry. I've got that right now. Um, so, Billy, this is one that I'm looking at myself. Um, so, I said last week on the podcast, I needed to let Cherry slide um, because I needed to get Cook in and I really needed him. So, I got Cook in. I was happy with that decision. I got 70-odd points from Cook um, and I'm looking at getting Cherry this week. So, Cherry still has a minus 20 BE and obviously did well last week. Um, so, he looks like, you know, you're obviously going to be paying, um, you know, 50, 60K more. Um, than what he started at, but he's still got a minus 20 BE, and he looked pretty good last week. I think it's a fine trade in the 236K just to get him after that. You're still going to make money. Yeah, I'd bank on him staying there, mate. Um, did you see... I was going to say, did you see when he burnt uh, burnt the fullback? But I'm sure you did. He just... He was running straight at him and then just decided to one... It wasn't even a goose step. He just... It was one step and just, see you later, I'm actually going around. He just took off, mate. So I, um, I can't see Coach dropping him. Worst case scenario, he puts him back to the wing and finds a way to keep him in the team. He's just he's just too good of a player, I reckon. I actually thought that um, that Cherry would get dropped um, when Moylan came back um, around round ten. But the thing that um, made me change my mind is the fact that they decided to debut a fullback and move Dugan to the wing on the weekend. That seemed to suggest to me that um, 
that they like him there. That they like him there, and it also suggests that um, Morris isn't happy with um, Katoa, um, who got dropped. So if Katoa's got dropped and his job security is that poor, and he's being rated that poorly, which we didn't really know until last week when he got dropped for the first time, then that really opens the door for Cherry because I'll just drop that young fullback, put Moylan straight in. And Dugan might be better on the wing. Now, if Dugan completely stuffs up on the wing or this young fullback stuffs up and they've got to put Dugan back to fullback, then maybe it becomes a little bit more grey. But at the moment, um, I would say that the, the young fullback plays the next few weeks. Uh, Moylan comes back and he just takes that young fullback back out, uh, Williams, and uh, Williams goes back to reserve grade and Moylan goes back to fullback and then Cherry's still got his job then. Um, the other reason why I was looking at getting him in, Billy, is because I was having a look at uh, the next sort of, even up until round 10, um, and he's got Broncos who are struggling a little bit at the moment, and particularly their outside backs could struggle. I haven't checked yet, but if he's against Jack Bird, I could see him absolutely burning Jack Bird. Melbourne next, uh, which is going to obviously be a tough one, but then he's got the Gold Coast Titans and the Manly Seagulls. He could legit score a double in either one of those games against the Gold Coast or Manly, and he's going to just spike in money even more again. So he's got the potential, even at this point, to still make an extra couple hundred thousand and probably be a decent play in round 9 and 10 if he's looking good. Yeah, Milford will be out that that side too. So um, uh, Oates and whoever they decide to put on the edge, I think they rotate that edge that often. I couldn't even tell you who's playing there. But yeah, I was going to ask you that question. Would you play him this week? I I certainly am. But um, if you had the option to, to leave him to leave him out or put him in would it sounds like you would leave him in um, I'd leave him in like always though it depends on your other options I wouldn't leave out you know a 500k centre wing that you invested in to play Cherry but for me you know like most people I've got Nakora out so um, he's an easy put in um, Bronson Cherry for Nakora and um, and away we go so I think he's a good play this week for sure especially if you've got SJ you'd probably want to bank on him uh, scoring points mm-hmm. I'd, be doubling, I'd be doubling down yep so that's all of our mailbag, Billy. So let's move on to the team lists. And this week, we've got some interesting games because a lot of teams are actually under a bit of pressure. Um, a few teams have played really poorly lately. But let's start off with the Anzac Day Clash. Um, first game of the round is the annual Roosters versus St. George Dragons. And for this one, we've got quite a few changes. So the Roosters obviously debuted a couple of players last week and also um, had a couple other youngsters get, get a go. The big changes for the Roosters are that they've got um, Joseph Manu back from suspension, um, but they do have lost Kiri from last week. So that means that Alberson's pushed over to centre with Latrell Mitchell going to six. That's going to be a big deal for people that were looking at training him in. Um, Jake Friend returns at nine. Takiyaho returns at prop after injuring himself in the um, warm-up. And then we've also got a, uh, Lachlan Lamb coming onto jersey 17 as cover. So he might go into the halves maybe and push the troll back to centre. We'll have to wait and see. Um, and for the Dragons, uh, they're unchanged. So they've got the same side. Billy, this one's always a tough one on Anzac Day. How do you see this one going, the Roosters versus Dragons? Uh, is that really a question? <laughs> <laughs> I know you're trying to be objective, mate. Um, look, Anzac Day brings out the best in everyone. They, they're, they're patriotic. They, but Roosters are a quality team, mate. I can't see the Dragons really doing much here. They might put up a bit of a fight for a while, but I think your guys just steamroll them in the end. I think it's going to be a high-quality game. I like how the Dragons have been playing. I'm not going to say that I think that we'll lose, but I think it's going to be competitive. Uh, and these ones can be, um, you know, if if there's any game that can um, even up the playing field, if you've got a much more superior side, 
it's an Anzac Day clash. So, you know, if the Dragons get up for this and motivated, which I'm sure they will, could be a close one still. Um, looking at the traded out players on Market Watch for this one, Billy, Jacob Host for the Dragons is actually the number one traded out player. He's uh, 271k at the moment. 11.5% of coaches are trading him out, and with good reason. He's got a B of 40, and he only scored 26 on the weekend. So he lost 15k for those that held him. He's now made 74k on his starting price. He's an obvious one just to get rid of now. Mikhail Ravalawa um, is one that I want to get your opinion on, though. He's number three on the list. 8.5% of coaches have traded him out. He's made 182k now, so he's definitely done his job. But he's been looking a little bit better than what he was the first couple of weeks of the season. He does only have a BE of 34 points. Would you be trading him out for sure, or do you think that it might be an option just to hold him and see how he keeps going? Oh, I'd, I'd like to hold him off if I could. Um, but he he's, um, doesn't have much base. He's one of those guys that has to go over the line um, you know, in order for his price to increase. But he's done that uh, a couple of weeks in a row, which is, which is why he's at where he is. Um, the only reason I'm cutting him is because there's obviously better meat out there and you've, you've got to cut someone for a pain half. Um, and the way the seven three quarters are going at the moment, you're not going to get rid of Bateman, you're not going to get rid of CNK. CNK. Sivos plays round 12, so does um, what's, his, what's his face for Manly. I know he's not going the greatest, but um, there's just too many guys that are playing round 12 or still making money or there's too many guns that are performing. So there's limited people to get rid of. So even though he'll probably possibly make another 100, 150k, um, you don't want to sort of wait sort of seven rounds to find it, do you? It's, you may as well just get rid of it now and keep making the coin and turn him, or turn him into a gun and get those points early. That's all. Yeah, I've actually traded both um, Ravalawa and Host this week myself, so those are my two trades. So uh, I, I'm fine with putting him out. If you've got someone else to trade out that's got a, a higher BE, then just go for that, and you can definitely hold him. I don't think you can hold Host, though, so you've got to get rid of him. Traded in, guys. Out of this matchup, Latrell Mitchell um, is the number one trading guy between the two teams. He comes in seventh most traded in overall at 2.2%. He's got a bit of a groundswell. I expect that to rise. Uh, he's 556k, which is 40k less than his starting price now. Uh, that's on the back of an 86-point game against the Melbourne Storm last week where he kicked that amazing match-winning field goal and 97 points the week before. So the last couple of weeks, he's averaged over 90 points. Um, and he's looked like he's hitting his straps a little bit better. He has been named at six for this one, though, um, and that kind of scares me a little bit in trading him in. Yeah, same. Um, if he was still out at three, I was probably probably one of the better targets this week. He still might even be. Like, if you think he's going to kill it at six, then great. I just don't want to take that risk, especially for a guy that doesn't play 12. I just wanted him for his bottom-out price and uh, kicking goals at centre three quarter. But if he's not there, um, I think I'll pass. Yeah, I was going to consider him myself, um, but I've ended up um, not going it. Um, I, I just think at six, he's not going to be as, as good, um, and the Dragons probably will step up. Um, the other thing to consider is uh, he, he played a couple of games at six when uh, Kronk was out earlier in the season, and pretty much the attack was completely run by Luke Keery, um, and that meant that Keery dominated the usage. With the type of player that Kronk is, um, I imagine that's going to be the case as well. I expect Kronk to dominate the ball and to be dominating the play, um, which means that Latrell is probably only going to get the ball you know, a little bit more than what he normally does at centre, but he's probably not going to be in a as good a position as what he is at centre to make some attacking plays. So, yeah, I, I'm pretty much off him. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if it's a Dow game. 
Um, seems to rain a lot on Anzac Day lately. If it does, you know, it's going to be a complete dud. VC and C options for this one, Billy. Uh, I don't think any in the Dragons look good, but for the Roosters, um, I'm considering VC and Tedesco. He, um, he, he's had a pretty good floor this season, apart from the first couple of weeks, and he's just looked really good. I thought against the Storm, he looked a lot better than what his supercoach score suggested, and some people actually thought he got to be dudded not getting um, some extra attacking stats. Yeah, centre three quarters. Um, the heat map says centre three quarters go really well against the Dragons. The Dragons have um, a first in the league, so that's what, that's the reason why I wanted lateral. But if he's not there, um, not really, not, not willing to bank on it. Crichton is just inside that centre, and if, if Cronker is going to be getting a lot of the ball, if you own Crichton, um, knowing that he's probably going to be getting 80 minutes with all that playing centre this week, I, he he wouldn't be the worst PC option. He's probably probably a good shout. Um, on the other side of the fence, I probably wouldn't really back anyone of the Dragons to uh, score enough points to VC against your boys. So for me, it would be sort of, um, yeah, just uh, just Angus for me, mate. Yeah, I reckon Angus is a great chap, Billy. Um, that's a good pick-up. Um, so Angus and um, Tedesco, two VC options there. Uh, I don't think any of the other guys um, here are going to be trading targets at the moment. I will just quickly mention before we move on, I did see a few people grabbing uh, grabbing people early like Satili Tupanua, who's playing his second game, and he was, you know, a match winner last week, making a line break for the Roosters to set up for that field goal. He looks really good, but he's just played his second game, and the Roosters have been battered and injured. I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be getting guys in from the Roosters. He's not going to play round twelve either. We'll wait until next week if he looks really good and he cements his 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 spot, then go for it. But Isaac Liu is going to come in, um, and there's every chance that next week Liu comes in and, and Tupanua goes out. So. Wouldn't be doing it. Um, all right, let's move on to the next game, Billy. Melbourne Storm versus the Warriors is the other game that we um, always get on Anzac Day, um, and it's always an entertaining one. With the Storm, they are going to be pretty bruised and battered for last week. They've got the same side that they've named, unchanged. Um, for the Warriors, Roger Tuovaza-Shek was in a lot of doubt. They've turned around and said that um, uh, he's going to play, uh, but you know, you're going to have to watch that one. He may very well be pulled out late. Uh, Gerard Beal comes in on the wing for Fuzatua. Um, and aside from that, Chanel Harris-Tavita keeps on keeping on. He's um, he's still got a low BE and he's um, going to make a heap more cash this week for the owners, which is great to see. And another guy that keeps on keeping on, Billy, is your mate Lachlan Burr, who keeps Isaiah Papali on the bench yet again. And very, very slowly, Burr is starting to become one of the ones that, if you missed out on him, you're behind. Yeah. <laughs> wish I've wish, wish I've played him, <laughs> mate. I just every single week. I think I, I think I played him round one. That's about it. I keep looking at his minutes each week, going, yeah, he scored sixty odd, but he only gets to the thirty minutes out of line break. He's not going to happen again. Then the next week, he gets thirty two minutes and scores another line break. Like, yeah. That's not going to happen again. I'll just play Ocker. Then all of a sudden he gets 40 minutes. Mate, now he's getting 50 minutes and 60 minutes and I've got to play him this week. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just can't leave him out. He, but he, rem, he reminds me of Murray. I mean, how good does he look? He just Once he gets the ball, he's got a massive work rate and he's always looking for those short balls away too, looking for the offload. He's always looking for the, looking for the alley, mate. He, he just looks really good. Solid player. I actually thought that he was older. Um, than what he is. He's only 25. Um, so maybe he does have um, a bit left in him football-wise and he's just maturing late. But he actually got 60 minutes on the weekend. 
um, which is his highest minutes all year. So, you know, a couple of weeks ago, we were chatting on the podcast, and we're like, oh, he got 54 minutes in round four. That's, you know, that's the highest he's gotten all year. Then he went back down to 46, and it was like, oh, okay, now it's starting to normalise. He's going to drop back down again. He's probably going to be 30s or 40s. And then he got 60 minutes on the weekend. So it's really hard with um, both injuries and also Stephen Coney's um, rotations to really get a gauge. But it looks like that he's he's pretty set on Burr at the moment. So if you own him, he's got a minus 20 BE. I'd be pretty happy. But um, I wouldn't be getting him in, though. And, Billy, I've seen a few people say I'm just going to get him in because he's got a minus 20 BE. And even some people asking if he's a keeper because of the scores he's putting up. Yeah, he's a guy that if you own him, you just got to sell him when he when he um, matures, and that's it. Yeah, if he was getting eighty minutes, then yeah, I'd be getting him right now. But given that he's still sixty minutes, he's like um, like Murray. He's he's probably not far away not far away from his peak. And as soon as he's not playing around twelve, just forget it. You risk him. So yeah, um, look elsewhere. Um, the only other thing to to mention is with that Warriors bench, I think you've got. Um, Roach on there, so that's that's a really good indication for his minutes. Um, just being sustained this week around that around that fifty or sixty mark. Yep, um, and I forgot to mention as well, Blake Green's actually returning uh, as well for the Warriors, so that's going to help them quite a bit. I myself think that the Storm's going to uh, beat the Warriors very convincingly. The Warriors were pretty disappointing losing to the Cowboys last week, um, and they're starting to show a real lack of form. Cameron Smith could be a sneaky VC option, only being the second game. Um, and also someone like Jerome Hughes, um, I've got a feeling that fullbacks can go well against the Warriors as well. Um, and they stand out, but as always, our man Cam Munster um, could be in for another big game this one. Actually, fullbacks versus the Warriors are terrible. They, oh, um, really? Actually ranked, yeah, they're actually ranked, ranked four t- uh, second lowest. Um Wow, I had this I had this chat with someone last week, and I believe the reason was, um, this is just my thought: is the Warriors are that bad all over the park that the points just get spread everywhere. <laughs> so, <laughs> that's all. Um, yeah, there's by rank. Um, I think the best was sort of a rank of seven, um, and this is out of sort of sixteen, so, and that's for forwards, second row forwards, five eighths, and seven three quarters. So. Yeah, if you're playing against the Warriors, the points are probably just going to be spread over the park. Best one for me might be, yeah, probably the Cam Smith. I hope you hope you probably sort of you know, convert sort of seven goals and gives you sort of you know, um, um, sort of thirty to forty points just in conversions. That's the only thing I can think of there, mate. Yeah, if the Warriors played like they did last week, Cam Smith's going to get a lot of goal kicking, and there's a real chance that the the Melbourne Storm could put up a, a big score on the Warriors if they don't show up, um, which is. Very big potential of that happening. Let's let's ride the Cody Walker um, trail. Cody Walker scored four tries for 150 a couple of weeks ago. There's mm. no reason why Munster couldn't possibly do do, do the same. He might he might be a, a well, you know our stance on him, but this might be one of those games that you sort of VC him. Yeah, I'd actually I think that Munster's edging out um, Cam Smith as a VC option in this one. Out of those two, I'd VC Munster, and I think that. Uh, Munster is the only genuine C option in this game. I would, it's a ballsy C, but Munster has done really well against bad sides this year. The Broncos were bad to start the year. He scored 105 points on them. The Dogs and the Cowboys are obviously going pretty poorly, and he scored 88 and 78 against them. So, uh, you know, obviously against the Roosters, um, we said that he was going to have a bad one last week, and he scored his lowest score of the year at 40 points. But he's a guy that does well against the poorer sides. So I, I don't think that it would be out of the question or crazy if you wanted to just 
try for a pod captain if you just threw the C on Munster. I think he could go really, really good. Yep, agree, mate. Not going to say anything. <laughs> so um, let's move on to the Friday games. We've got the Bulldogs versus the Cowboys. Two sides um, that have been struggling a little bit of late. Um, so for the Bulldogs, we've got the same starting 13, except for Reese Martin, who has not been benched. He's got jersey 13, which is a very good sign. And it means that Adam Elliott moves on to the bench. Um, for the Cowboys, the main team news that we've got um, is that they've remained the same, but they have got Jason Tomalolo on the extended bench, which is interesting. I don't know whether they just didn't have anyone else to name their Billy and they just threw him on there, or or whether it's maybe a sign <laughs> that he's he's actually close and ahead of schedule because um, the Cowboys did come out and say he's definitely ahead of schedule. There's no way he's going to be out 10 weeks, and it was a six to 10-week time frame. Uh, I don't know. I, I doubt they'd throw his name down there just just in case something happens. They want to, unless they're just playing mind games and he is close, and they want to keep keep the dogs thinking. They need to, they need to do something. But um, the only thing I, I think that might be a bit of a furphy there is potentially pay just listing the same team as last week and actually still switching Martin at the last minute. But um, yeah, definitely Lolo Watche. Yeah, definitely Lolo watch because he's being named there it's in the extended bench. I don't think he'll play this week, but it could be an indication that he might even be back next week or something crazy. So that would be great. Um, yeah, he's got he's got that uh, sixteen or whatever it is rolling in his average though. So you he, he, he can you can easily sit back and watch him for a couple of games and see how see how that leg holds up. Hopefully he comes off the bench and maybe drops a little, a little bit of a coin and then everyone just just attacks him at the same time. Yeah, I can't wait to see him starting to drop that cash. Uh, CHN is the other guy in this one that's interesting to me. I know I've spoken about him before, and I got him a couple of weeks ago, um, and he gave me a 39 for one for his lowest starting score. Uh, but one of the good things in that performance two weeks ago was we said he got 80 minutes. On the weekend, he got 77 minutes, and the only thing that stopped him from 80 was because just near halftime, he had a HIA three minutes before the half, so he had to go off and get tested, but he came back on and was fine. He ended up scoring 54 points, um, and that was in a really, really crappy game. That South Bulldogs game wasn't very good quality. It was very slow. And to be honest, watching the game, Billy, um, Howie and Ira looked like their best forward. He looked like a bit of a spark. And there was three times that he went over the try line, um, and two of them got pulled up for penalties, and one of them got pulled up for an offside or something like that. So he was, he was getting very close to getting some kicks down and scoring a try, and he looked very, very likely. Had a couple of offloads again, which is good to see. Scored a solid 54 points, and considering the game, uh, I thought that was a that was a pretty good effort. Yeah, uh, with a break even at 70, I'm just going to sit back and um, watch him. But um, definitely on the uh, on the pickup watch, mate. Um, especially being available at that centre three quarter position. So I'm kind of thankful for that 39 a couple of weeks ago. It just gives me uh, a little bit more time to sort of watch him and and then pounce. But uh, 80, 80 minutes, 80, 80 minute back row, I'm playing first. First buy available seven three quarter, yeah, pretty much a gimme, isn't it? Yeah, I think he's going to go well this week against the Cowboys too. I thought he looked good last week, and um, I, I think he can pop some offloads against the Cows. He was he was offloading for fun the first ten minutes last week, um, and then he's after the Cowboys this week. He's also got Manly Knights and Titans, so pretty good draw for the Dogs coming up. Um, speaking of draws. Oakenball got named this week. There was a bit of um, chatter around that maybe he'll get dropped because he hasn't been looking as good as what we hoped. He um, is even being asked around the traps if he's bottomed out yet because he's had some pretty poor scores after starting so well. 
The last two weeks, he's got 19 and 46 points, and that 19 is a killer. It means his BE is 46. He has made a hell of a lot of money. He's now just under 330K. Um, I'm actually really keen to hold him and play him this week, potentially, because I think that the Bulldogs um, against the Cowboys at ANZ Stadium, I think open ball might be a chance for a meat pie this week. Yeah, I will be too. I was just filthy on him last week, but uh, can't hide it against him, mate. I just hope someone at the game's got a sniper rifle and can shoot Holland or threaten him to pass. Yeah, uh, there were so many times, wasn't there, where Okenball could have got the ball in a really good position. But then there, were, there was actually one time, I don't know if you noticed this, but he got the ball, and instead of running it to the corner 10 metres out, he just threw it straight back inside, back to Holland. It was Yeah, I, I think he really needed to turn his shoulder backwards and, and pivot the other way because there, there was a defender right in front of him, although he could have easily just turned it to the rant. Uh, had a go. I think he just shit himself and just threw it back. <laughs> There's been a couple of rookie he, plays. Uh, he doesn't exactly look like the type of bloke who's quick off the mark. He um, probably gets a bit of speed once he's in flight, but he, he's, he's a big boy. He, he runs over the top of people, not around him. Well, I'm going to play Oakenbor and um, and also CHN this week, and I'm actually um, quietly confident about both of them at home against the, the Cowboys. Obviously, Reese Martin, watch like you said. The other one that's interesting that you raised a little bit earlier in the podcast for this round, um, Aidan Tolman's been mentioned around the traps because he got a massive 70 points on the, uh, 71 points on the weekend, and he did that in 70 minutes. He had 73 points in base um, with a negative two, bringing him down to his 71. Now, you know, the, last, the week before that, he played 50 minutes, and the week before that, he played 74 minutes. Surely he's not looking at 70-something minutes um, going forward leading up to round 12. Oh, I really don't want to buy him at 506000 and have a meat and potatoes Aiden Tolman in my team. Yeah, I, I don't want to get him just yet. I, I can't see him playing big minutes each week. Um, I'd rather just hold off at him for now and just, if I had to, pick him up um, a little bit later. Um, I really think the uh, CHN is a much better offering at a, at, a, at, a, at a cut rate price at a better position. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, I am going to be watching Tolman's minutes this week, though, because even though I don't want him, I was going to get Marty to power, and Tolman's actually yeah, pretty much been outscoring him as well. So um, that might be a bit of a pot option to, to watch for for this week and see how Tolman goes. But how do you see this game going, mate? The cows versus dogs? Pretty much a free-for-all. I reckon, um, I reckon you're right. I reckon there's probably a couple... I reckon Oka goes over. I reckon Har- CHN goes well. Um, I reckon Martin, if he plays 80, um, kicks up a storm. On the other side of the fence, dogs dogs are pretty ordinary. You, you might you might get a you might get a couple of um, cheaper players who are SC relevant having a, going over the line, having a couple of scores. But I, I think this is just a you know 16, 20 points in both teams, and the only people of real benefit is um, Reese Martin, CHN, and Oka, mate, I reckon. Yep. Um, not a great game, I don't think, to watch. But I think the Bulldogs will bounce back. I reckon they'll win this one. Um, obviously, no C or BC options in this one. So we'll, we'll um, move on. None of these guys are, are in the market watch either as far as relevancy for looking at the top 10 um, trading in or out to this point. So don't need to worry about that either. So Penrith Panthers versus South Sydney Rabbitohs at Panthers Stadium. Dean Fare is out. So we've got Caleb Aitkins making his debut at number one. Uh, which will be pretty good if he can end up sticking there because he'll be another round 12 number that's cheap. Dallin Wateni Zalesniak will go into centre to replace Fare's spot there. Uh, other than that, the Panthers are the same. 
Rabbitohs are as per program. This one, Billy's shaping up as a, a pretty good matchup. I reckon it'll be quite a competitive game. I'm really interested in that um, Caleb Atkins and his job security. Um, I don't want to jump the gun too early, but um, I was having a look at his scores before. It was like 40 points that he hit up since one game last year. So pretty excited to see how, how uh, he turns out and uh, how the Panthers show up, mate. Yeah, definitely. Um, Kikau's got a 72 break-even, so you can wait and see on him at about 550k. Uh, but he's shaping up as a big watch for probably next week. Um, I know I'll be looking at getting him in next week, I think. Nathan Cleary's another guy that we've gotten a fair few questions on, and he could go pretty well this game. Panthers are under a fair bit of pressure. Um, we've just got the news that Phil Gould stepped out, so... I tend to think they're going to be fired up. Cleary's only 546,000. Got a three-round average of 77 at the moment. 96, 82, and 54 being his last three scores. Mate, Cleary seems like he's, he's hit his straps again. It looks like the Cleary of old. Do you reckon he's going to have another good one against the South Sydney Rabbitohs? Yeah, I think he's needed to get some confidence out of the system. Um, come, come back healthy. Um, get a couple of games under his belt at home. But um, back on that right side, so certainly helps. Um, I know that... Um, Moving him over to the left, it, was, it seemed like a good idea, um, uh, SV-wise, to put, put um, kick out on, on his hip. But mate, if, if you can chuck a 12-year-old kid next to kick out and just keep him in the ball, I think he just looks, he just, he just looks, looks more natural on the, right, on the right side for me. Yeah, I agree. Uh, he might be one of those guys that you might want to get in this week. Um, he's only got a BE of 9, so if you didn't want to own Cleary over the next month of footy sort of thing before he's going into an origin camp and stuff, then... Um, this is probably the week to, to be buying him. Um, aside from that, on the South Sydney side, uh, obviously Damien Cook keeps on keeping on. Do you think that Cook might be another C option this week against that Panthers pack and middle? I think he's got a pretty high floor, so if you want it, if, put it this way, he's probably just a fullback position. If you can't find anyone you really else want, anyone else you really want a captain, just chuck it on him. Otherwise, yeah, he's just a default, I think. Yeah, I, I think he's a nice, safe one. If you don't have any better options, um, he, he could go well against Penrith. Uh, another guy last week that deserves a shout is Cam Murray. Um, it was, I was quite surprised at how many people were writing Murray off and thinking it was the demise of him in their super coach side just because he ended up getting 58 minutes um, in round five and people were worrying because he only scored 45 points Aside from that, like we said on the podcast last week, he'd been good for the rest of the year, so there wasn't any reason to worry. And last week against the Dogs, we saw why he scored 72 points, which was his second, uh, third highest score of the year, 56 in raw base. So absolutely no concerns with Cam Murray, and he's shaping up as another guy that you could hold on to and be pretty happy with for round 12 as well. And um, Cody Walker keeps on keeping on as well. So this one's got a lot of Supercoach relevant players in it, Billy. Um, I think it might be a good Supercoach scoring one. Now, who do you think is going to come out on top on this one? Do you think the Panthers are going to bounce back or the Rabbitohs are going to keep on keeping on? I think the Rabbitohs will keep on keeping on. But I tell you what, I think the um, uh, Penrith will give them a shake up. Uh, they, they won't be sitting back uh, uh, under 10 points. I reckon I reckon they'll have a good 16 points in them, in, in them, them themselves, mate. Yep. Uh, I actually think that the um, the Penrith Panthers are going to win this one on the back of a bit of controversy with Gus Gould and everything. I think they're going to have a bit of a point to prove, so I'm tipping them, um, but I think it's going to be pretty close. Uh, and there's a whole heap of watches as well. Sam Burgess has a 92 BE at 597K, so he's also one that you can wait on. Watch him this week. He's still going to be good, but he's probably going to be a great purchase for those that haven't got him yet in about two weeks' time. So let's move on to the next game, uh, Saturday West Tigers versus the Gold Coast Titans. Obviously, the Tigers got absolutely mauled last week, um, but despite that, 
we've got the same uh, 17 that was named last week. Um, so he hasn't made any changes. Um, likewise, the Gold Coast Titans looked really strong last week in absolutely dismantling the um, Newcastle Knights. The big changes for them are Kevin Proctor comes back in after injuring himself in the warm-up last week, starting back in the second row. Uh, Ryan James is obviously gone for the season, like we mentioned, with that ACL injury. Futuaka is the starting number 10. Um, so at the moment, um, we've got Whitbread on the bench, um, and this, the rest of the side is the same for the Titans. Mate, Tigers got dismantled last week. Do you think they're going to step up this week and some of their big names are going to fire for Supercoach? I reckon it's probably more of a repeat last week, hey? Um the only thing I do think is maybe sort of Farrah comes back from his HIA and there's a bit more, there's a bit more structure around the team. Um, but this is around the, the uh, time of the season that the uh, the old Tigers fall apart, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Um, one guy that's worth mentioning, though, Isan uh, Masters scored 51 points last week in a really badly beaten side. So he's continuing to go pretty well. And goal kicking gets the Titans. Um, he's one that I'm watching on this one. I think that he could be a, in for a good week. Well, if you got him, I wouldn't buy him. Uh, sorry, I wouldn't buy him just now. But yeah, if you got him, might be a sneaky VC, especially being at home. Yeah, let me just check. It's is that Scully. Where the hell is Scully Park? Is that all renamed West West Campbelltown Stadium? No, no, that's um they're, they're taking this one to the country. This one's at Tamworth. Oh, uh, right. Um, yeah, not really a fan of teams when they take their their, their games away from home. You lo- you lose that sort of um, home crowd advantage. Um, if I was going to uh, chuck a C or a VC on anyone here, I'd probably chuck it on Farah. Yeah, that's a pretty good call, actually. I don't mind that one. Um, I would say the other guy that I'm almost confident might be back, but I'm going to have to wait and watch this week, is Jai Arrow. He, uh, he played 70 minutes last week, and with Ryan James obviously gone, uh, maybe that's going to continue because a lot of those other guys are, are pretty young and can't really handle bigger minutes. Do you think that he's going to start getting the big minutes that we want him to get now that James is gone? Yeah, I reckon you'll start seeing him a bit more. He did, he did it last week. Yeah. If he just, even if he gets five minutes less than that, if he gets 65 this week, he's going to become a, another option now for a, for a C, um, and maybe he'll even get some get some meat. If the Tigers give up points this week, you know, Arrow could go over. Um, so anyone that sold him, I'd be really regretting it now, but... He's probably another example, Billy. Would you would you buy Joe Arrow for this week if you were someone who wanted to buy one gun for the next month? Uh, depend. If, what, what's he break even like? Um, his BE's high actually, so that's a good point. He's at eighty one, but he's only five hundred forty seven k. Um, and I was actually having I, a look. I, I sit back and watch and see the minutes and just get that confirmed and then and then get on him. Um, uh, yeah, look, I, I think the a lot of people are disappointed because he played 70-odd minutes last week and he still only scored 58 points or something or other, but he had zero attack and there, were, there was like, how many stoppages in play because of um, tries and goal, goal kicking. Yeah. I, I, I wouldn't hold that against him, mate. He probably probably scored 58, 58 points in 58 minutes and spent you know, 12 minutes sitting back watching his boys put on a show. Yeah, exactly right, mate. And watching the game, he um, a lot of the tries were like, uh, you know, against the run of play. The Knights would drop the ball and and they'd get it back, and the Titans would score pretty easily. And there was even a couple of pickup tries where they'd pick up the scraps and run over and score. So it wasn't even getting through a set of six for the Titans to score or have to work their way through it most of the time. Um, so yeah, he he didn't have much opportunity. So the fact that he got fifty eight points was actually pretty good in that game. 
Um, but oh, I'm not. I'm struggling to find much else that I'm interested in here, other than to say that um, my mate Bryce Cartwright, I'm going to be watching with interest again because he is very quietly once again um, made over 100k on his starting cross, and he's also only got to be a year four now after scoring 64 points against the Knights on the weekend. Yep, that's all we ever wanted him to do, mate. Just make make 100 grand over three weeks, sit back as an NPR and you know, play around 12. If he can keep this up as well, mate, it means that you know, if he can have a good game this week, he's going to make it to round 12, which is good, because <laughs> I had a bit of a concern that we weren't going to get there. Nah, it's just a shame that um, the one or two games that we actually did play him, he didn't, didn't go uh, uh, as well as hoped, but... Yeah, look, he's he's making coin. He's playing 80 minutes again, and like we said, the last time he played 80 minutes was was two years ago, and he was at, and he scored 58. So he's doing exactly what he does at 80 minutes on the edge, mate. He, he might look ordinary, but he's dead. He's making points like every like every other second row. If he goes over the line, great, it's a bonus. But he'll um, he'll average around that to the 60 mark there. Hope, hopefully, anyway. Yep. Um, so, is there anyone else that you can see in this one that's um, super coach relevant that you're particularly interested in? Uh, probably not for this week. Um, like if you if you own Twal, you're playing him. Um, Garner versus those edges. Um, is he Cartwright's on the left? Garner's on the left. So no, he won't. Ryan Madison will be running at um, at Cartwright. He misses sort of between three and five hundred tackles a game. So he might he might be a sneaky VC. He's probably the only VC I would go though. Him 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 and Mar- him, him and Masters. If I, if I, if I was doing a straight out of C, but it would be only sort of like Arrow or Farrow. So, odd market watch for this one. There's no um, most traded in players, but um, both Robbie Farrow and Luke Garner make it in the traded out categories. So, Robbie Farrow is actually a fifth um, most traded out player this week because he's dropped 28K and obviously has that six in his average now after getting ruled out last round. Uh, and Luke Garner yeah. is um, that, number six. That would be um, the people trading out Farrow would be the people. Tip- People that use him as a as a platform for Cook, and now they're just concerned about losing coins, so they're just getting rid of him and, and probably just making that 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 leapfrog to Cook. That that's my that I'm sure that's why they're getting rid of him. Yeah, I think so as well. So that one's probably a little bit irrelevant. Luke is pretty relevant. Six most traded out. Um, he's only got a BE of twenty two, and he looks like he's got back on the cash train to make some more money. He's only made one hundred nine k so far. I I don't think I'd be trading Garner this week unless I really really had to. There, it's probably the people that really, really have to, but they've got no one else. It's Ravalara or, or him, and they all want Haas. So um, you're getting rid of hosts. Other people probably have a Ghana. So that's that's probably all it is, mate. Yeah, probably a good point. So I'm not particularly interested in this one, mate. No, I'm not going to be VCing or seeing anyone, but I do think that, the, um, that I've got no idea who's going to win out of this one, Tigers or Titans. So you take the pick. Who's going to do it? I'll probably go to the home team, mate. Tigers to bounce back from those absolute flogging at the home ground in Wagga, Wagga, whatever it is. Tamworth, Tamworth. Don't insult the people at Tamworth. Um, <laughs> next one that we got then is uh, the Brisbane Broncos versus the Cronulla Sharks. So Broncos under siege after losing to Canberra last week. It was uh, you know one of the worst starts that the Broncos have ever had in a very, very long time. But in saying that, they've stuck strong uh, with the same team, aside from... Um, TPJ coming back so he's going to be starting 13 after returning from his two week suspension which is going to help him out now Lodge is still out injured but he is on the extended bench so there's a chance that he comes in um, if he does you'd think it would be for Paddy Carrigan in jersey 17 so that does mean that Payne Haas is the starting number 8 again uh, for the Sharkies team uh, Will Kennedy debuted last week he's kept that number 1 jersey which means their back line is going to be the same 
Um, Scott Sorensen is actually starting for Britton Nakora, who accepted a one-match guilty plea for a crusher tackle uh, last week. Uh, other than that, the Sharkies are the same. Um, so this one's an interesting one, Billy. It's up at Sudden Corp. I guess the number one player on everyone's mouth is Payne Haas. He's 25.6% traded in this week, and with very good reason. He had another good week last week where he scored very well again. A lot of raw base, um, and he actually ended up playing the entire game, which was phenomenal. Yeah, I was filthy at that. I saw uh, Flegler starting at lock, and I thought, sweet, here we go. At least 50 minutes. Nope. <laughs> Payne Haas, 80 minutes. Um, mate, I reckon this is probably good for him with TPJ back and him still being named at lock. Um, uh, surely, he does, surely he doesn't get 80 minutes again. Hopefully he comes back to 60 minutes and he just has more impact. He just seemed to sort of taper off a little bit with being on, on the field for that long. He, he's obviously an, uh, an absolute no-brainer pick-up and he's a no-brainer to play this week. So um, everyone will have him in their team um, more than likely. But yeah, I reckon he probably has more impact. Just uh, I'd like to see him do two sort of 30... 30 minutes stints or 30 and 30, 30 and 35, maybe get to the 65 minutes. But um, yeah, who knows what Seabold's going to do, mate? But no brainer. He's obviously not being traded in by everyone, and, and obviously there's some non serious super coaches in the 135,000 entries. Um, but he is the definition of a must have. Obviously, you just have to get him in. If anyone's thinking about not doing it, you just got to do it. He scored 74 and um, 77 points the last two weeks in his first two games. His BE is massive. You've got to get him. Um, one thing that I will say with Payne Haas, so like Billy said, he's, he's probably going to get less minutes this week because TPJ's back. Um, he's not going to play the whole game, but when Lodge comes back, I've seen some really crazy, crazy proclamations that Payne Haas is now their best forward and um, and you know Lodge is going to come back and play 40 minutes or something because Haas has taken over and stuff. You, you can't expect Haas to be getting 70 minutes and stuff when, um, when Lodge is back and TPJ are both there. Um, do you, you've got to obviously agree with that, Billy. Like, there's no way I, I wouldn't peg him more than 60 minutes at the most. I don't think when he's their full strength. Yeah, yeah. I don't. I don't even know who's going to get dropped. I, um, I reckon, like, obviously, it's not going to be Haas. Well, you think so? I'm not the coach, but who, who would you drop? Would you drop off back to the bench, or would, or would you um, keep him in, in the starting rotation with, with Haas, TBJ, Lock, and figure out which and keep switching the edges every week. Well, I think that Joe O um, has been pretty underwhelming, so I do think that Haas can still keep starting and Lodge can take Joe O's jersey. In saying that, though, you know everyone's got to remember Payne Haas has only played a couple of games and he looked really good, but but like you said, Billy, he um he lacked a lot of impact because he was playing that many minutes. So he might be a guy that, that for the team it might be better that he's on the bench and he's coming on and making an impact. You you can't really tell what Seabold's going to do and he is under a lot of pressure. Yeah, yeah, my whole team's under pressure. Um, by the way, you look at it, there's a lot of minutes to share in that rotation. I think uh, the only thing we can be sure of is that TPJ and Haas are going to get um, at least the 50 each. Yeah, um, and he's a he's a pretty solid play this week with um, with Lodge likely still out, isn't he? I'd, I'd be playing Haas, I think. Yeah, mate, for sure. Um, so aside from Haas, um, the only other guys that... Um, that are in the most traded in is um, Bronson Cherry, who we've spoken about a lot. Obviously, the people that are needing to jump in now because he um, got missed out on last week, so that makes sense that he's the second most traded in player for this week. Um, and none of these players register on the traded out, except for Thomas Flegler, who's in the top 10, who I was a little bit surprised about, Billy. Um, 
Flegler obviously got a bit of um, extra minutes last week, and his BE is only eight now. That must be another necessity trade. Um, otherwise, you should be probably keeping Flegler in there for a couple of more weeks. Yeah, he's one. Of, he's probably one of the alternatives in that sort of um, Garner and Host category. Not everyone. Everyone would have had one, one or two of those guys. So yeah, it's probably just everyone else's Flegler, but everyone else's Garner, mate. Yeah. Um, so another guy in this game that we we need to give a shout out to. Uh, is Kurt Capel. So Capel, um, you know, we said at the start of the year people were wanting to trade him out and stuff. And we said on the podcast, look, you really want to hold those guys and not give up on them early. If you had to trade Capewell because you've got no one else to get some of these cows, and sure, but you'd rather hold them. In the last three weeks, he's really rewarded owners. On the weekend, he scored 65 points again, and that's brought his last three weeks to 65, 91, and 77. Uh, so he's got, a, you know, a, a huge three-round average of 78 points now. Um, he's gone up uh, 150k from his starting price at 510k now, and he's only got an 18 BE. And with the way the Broncos are going, um, I'm I'm pretty happy to be starting Capel again in my centres. I think he could be looking at 60 plus again. Yeah, um, I've mentioned this I think, every week too, but um, so back rowers versus the Broncos um, score run well statistically in 2018. Um, we talked about this uh, I think last week and the week before. I think there's been uh, Previt, there were five tries versus versus Broncos from edge rowers in the first four games or five games. So if you add last week's games, probably another one in there. So um, odds are that you know um, Capewell or Nakore's replacement um, are going to go over. So or, or sorry, or at least go well statistically. So I'd, I'd keep him for one week. Yep. And Andrew Fafita has been going really well as well. Um, he had a good week last week, and I think that he's got a chance to have a big one against the Broncos. Tunned up last week against the Panthers, mate, 106 points. Um, some people didn't play him because he was um, injured and under a bit of a cloud. He absolutely ripped it up, scored a try, got a heap of offloads away, and I reckon that he's going to go on a bit of a tear against the Broncos this week. He's probably the number one player for me uh, as far as points go that I'm I'm considering throwing the C on. It'll be dry up here too. Um, I'm not sure what the weather's like. Uh, down south, mate. But this, this time of year, if you can get a, uh, a a big PPM forward like him playing decent minutes on a dry track, it's always a bonus. So yeah, I think with Nakora out and Aaron Woods gone, um, he's got big big minutes potential. Um, provided that obviously he's he's completely uh, healthy from that injury last week, but he looked fine when he played. So yeah, he's the one that I think in this game is going to be the number one scorer. Where where are you seeing the points for this one for Supercoach? Well, I reckon Payne Haas probably does, does a job again. That, that's a big Broncos pack. Put it this way, they, they're the ones that silenced um, uh, Lolo. So given that Fafita's there, the only big sort of dominant lock, do, dominant forward of that team, I wouldn't, I wouldn't see him getting through the Broncos too much. A um, bit reluctant to Captain Johnson. But honestly, mate, I think um, I'm going to go the opposing number eight. I'm going to go on Payne Haas over Fafita for the, if, you, if I was going to do a seat. Huge, huge call. I haven't seen enough from, from Huss um, to, to go and see on him. And, oh, I really like my Fafita, but we'll see. That can be a head-to-head matchup, me, you, Fafita versus Haas, and we'll, re- we'll review it next week. Uh, who do you think is going to win, Chuck mate? Chuck six, or Chuck a six-pack. <laughs> uh, I reckon Broncos probably bounce here, bounce back here at, the, at their home track. I reckon they really, really need to, so they'll be absolutely fired up for this. Uh, so will it, so will the hometown crowd, mate. But I'm just hoping silently that the uh, Sharks don't let them dominate because I think I have half a dozen of them playing, mate, all on that right side. 
Yeah, and the Sharks were really bad the first half last week. Penrith were up 20-0 before the Sharks went on a bit of a comeback. And part of that was the Sharks playing better, but also Penrith playing quite a bit worse as well. So um, They were at home too. It's away this week. I'm not really looking forward to playing Zeri and Johnson in the same team. I'm, uh, um, but yeah, I can't leave either of them out. The Broncos have been giving up points, so you know Zeri's not a bad option and Sean Johnson isn't either. I think it'll be a good supercoach scoring game, mate. I reckon the Broncos will win too. I agree with you. But um, I think there'll be good supercoach points in it. So let's move on to the Sunday games. We've got the Seagulls versus the Raiders. Uh, this one's over at Lotto Land. Um, so big news for this one is uh, we've got an unchanged um, 17 for the Manly Warringah Seagulls. Uh, for the Raiders, Chance Nicol Kockstad has been named, uh, but he hurt his knee last week. Definitely have to watch this one. He, he, he's a very good chance of being a laid out. He's probably battling the clock to be able to play. But it's good that it's um, one of the last games of the round. Um, other than that, um, the Raiders are pretty much the same for Supercoach purposes. Um, a couple of big ones to note here, Billy. For the Raiders, first of all, John Bateman um, tunned up for his first ton in the NRL last week. Got a try and a line break. Um, had his normal work rate going. Looked sensational. Um, you mentioned on the podcast last week that oh, he's a great C option. Throw it on John Bateman. Um, I wasn't as confident, but your call ended up being the right one in the end. He, he scored 101 points, and all his captains ended up going great guns last week. That's right. Um, he played at Broncos too, so that that was that was the sixth or seventh try that I was just trying to remember. So two minutes ago, I couldn't, couldn't remember who it was. So yeah, so cake ball this week, guys. Um, yeah, that was a good call. I think I think most of them I called last week worked out, uh, which was good. So be interested to see what happens this week. Um, just quickly, uh, while you were talking about an hour ago, I was just reading an article on NRL.com. They said um, uh, CMK has pretty much come through. Not, not unscathed, but he's most likely to play. Good good early news, but obviously watch the late mail. Yeah, definitely watch the late mail. Um, John Bateman's the fourth most traded in after his score last week. And even though he's gone up a lot, um, and he's now 565k. I think that he's, he's pretty much cemented himself as a must-have, hasn't he, mate? So you should get him in for centre wing for this week, and he's going to play round 12. Oh, 100%. Uh, could go well against the Seagulls, too. Um, so there's quite a few to talk about in this Raiders side, mate. Um, a couple that we haven't spoken much about at all. Um, there's three guys in this Raiders back line that going against a Manly back line that has Brendan Elliott, George Tafua, Moses Suley, Brad Parker, and Ruben Garrick could go really, really well. In the past, Rapana, BJ Lailua, and Croker have all been keepers. Um, and Croker and BJ Lailua in particular, um, I've looked at, so I'm interested in your feedback on them. Um, just quickly with their stats running into this week, Croker is the cheaper of the two, um, and he only has a 46 BE. He's only 482K. He scored 73 points on the weekend, 45 and 65 the couple before to give him a 61 average across the last three. Hasn't set the world on fire, but he's been solid. Obviously a goal kicker with Manly and plays round 12. Uh, so I definitely had a look at Jared Croker. On the flip side, BJ Lalua is the pot option out of the two. Um, and I had a look at him um, to potentially make up some ground because um, I'm falling a bit behind. I need a bit of a pod. BJ's 518k with a 21 BE. Um, he scored 94 points against the Broncos. Very quietly, though, the last few weeks he's been going really well. Uh, 94, 61, and 70 points. 
And even the first three rounds when he wasn't doing that well, he did have a 25, but the other two games were 55 and 52. Um, so his base and base attack with his tackle breaks and offloads has been back where it was when he was a keeper. Um, he's been playing quite well. I think that they could all go really well against this um, this manly backline, mate. And they've got low BEs for, for Joey and for Croker. Rapana's a much higher at 100 BE. Any of these guys becoming interesting for you for this week? Yeah, it's a shame that Rapana's doing you sound that high. Because um, if anyone's going to go well, I think this is the game that you really score well. But particularly um, that manly edge. Uh, not so much the other one because... Um, <laughs> There's not really much service you're going to get out to Kotrick. You got, I think Kotrick just gets whatever, whatever is fed to him. I can't see sort of Croker uh, doing it there this week. Um, I really like that right hand side. Um, like you said, BJ's doing well. Not sure if it has much to do with uh, Bateman being inside him, just working well with him. Um, maybe he just pulled his finger out. Who knows? But um, if I had to choose this week, uh, it's a shame. Um, Rapana's breaking even on what level because I'll pick him up first. But otherwise, yeah, I think BJ's the pull there. Yeah, I really like DJ as a um, as a pod option. He's one of the the best pods at the moment. I think um, hardly owned at all, and he's going great. If you were gonna if you were gonna pick between two, would you go him or CK? So oh, sorry, um, C Croker, Corey, two dads and the dogs. Oh, CHN <laughs> and BJ. That's a tough one. See, I, I would get BJ for sure this week if I'm choosing between the two, only because BJ's got the 21 BE and he's playing manly, um, whereas. Um, um, got that 39 in his rolling average, so I reckon you can wait closer to to the buy in a couple of yeah. weeks. Um, but yeah, anyone that owns the Raiders, um, those, those guys um, are looking good, and I dare say most of this Raiders side has good potential against Manly. Yeah, mate. It's the frustrating part about Manly is that um, Cherry Evans is just having laps that cracker at the moment. He's um, he wasn't supposed to do this, but he's chucked up a um, a massive ton, and last week just seems to be in form. So. Um, people that own sort of him, him and a couple other him and a couple other pods like Walker are just, just absolutely killing it at the moment. So um, he, he might even just continue his form. But it's, it's at Manly's home ground, so Manly might even sort of bounce back here and make it a, make it a decent contest too. Yeah, I actually reckon that the Raiders could put a big score on Manly. Um, I I really like um, the fact that they've got good defence at the moment um, and their attack potential. I'm um, I've got, I had to go two cheapies this week, really, and if I didn't, like, I really wish that I didn't need to get Cherry because I would love to get BJ or Croker in because I reckon they're going to go great this week. Yeah, it's it's a bit of a tough one. Um, I don't think Manly will bounce back. I think that they'll I think they'll be going pretty badly. But um, the most traded out guys, Ruben Garrick's number two on the list, and that makes complete sense. No need to talk about him um, for Manly, and there's no traded in guys. So. Realistically, I reckon it's going to be a big Raiders, a big Raiders win, and um, I don't want to touch anyone on this manly side, aside from Corey Waddell, who we'll quickly mention. So I put this to a couple of guys um, that I trust, Billy. So I'll put it to you as well. I didn't get Cherry in last week, and then I noticed that um, Corey Waddell's only 250k, and he's got a minus 38 BE. He got 48 minutes last week and scored um, 77 points. Um, and the week before he had 46 points in, in uh, 42 minutes. So the last couple of weeks he's really come alive. Minus 38 BE. Um, firstly, would you get him in for this week um, if you had the room with your trades? And secondly, if you were choosing between Cherry and Waddell, considering that Waddell has um, you know minus 38 BE versus Cherry's minus 20, um, which one would you go for? 
there's nowhere to put them, mate. <laughs> I, 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 I just don't like. I just don't like. So two things. Number one, there's nowhere to put them. You, you wouldn't play them. Yeah, and you wouldn't. You wouldn't play someone like um, like him coming off the bench. And secondly, um, it's, it's only forty minutes, mate. I, there's plenty of other players around. There's too many limited options. I just wouldn't worry about it. Yeah, I guess for me it was just a bit of a quick cash grab at the minus thirty-eight. But I guess you're right. He, um, with the Fords, and there was a decision that I ultimately made with Waddell. Um, with the Fords that are on the bench, um, they're just as likely to have two stinkers now, and um, end up not making you the hundred k um, or taking too long to get there. So, yeah, yeah. The only other person to mention in in, um, in this game trip would be Gerber. Um He has three games at home now, back to back to back. He's been averaging what, 66 or something or He's, I think his lowest score was, was 58. So I know his brother's not playing, but if, if for those that want a captaincy option late in the weekend, do, do you see, think this might be around where he sort of bounces back and has a half-decent score? Um, look, he had his lowest score of the season on the weekend, so it's only got to get better. He scored 54 points on the weekend. Um, so I'm sure that he'll do better this week, but... I'm actually big on on the Raiders putting a big score on Manly. So, like you mentioned in that um, um, with Jai Arrow, that um, Jai Arrow was waiting behind the post a lot and stuff, or was waiting for kickoffs and everything. I think Gerbo might be waiting behind the post quite a bit in this one. Um, I, I don't like yeah, to see on him. Yeah, I was contemplating bringing him in, but I think it might just either go the um, the BJ route or um, uh, two dads. Yeah, he's only six hundred and ten k this week, which is great for Gerbo, but. I think this is a tough matchup for Manly against the Raiders. Um, even though it's at home, I'd much rather wait and see, and, and maybe you can bring him in next week against the Bulldogs. Yeah, yeah, maybe, mate. Might be, might be the safer option, hey? Yeah, 79 BE, I reckon. But um, let's move on to the final game. Uh, the Knights versus the Parramatta Eels. Um, this one's a Newcastle home game, and, geez, they need to bounce back in a big way. Despite how badly they're playing, um, we do have Connor Watson at six, finally, so their spine is back intact. Uh, the rest of the side has actually remained the same. With the Eels, you're never going to change a side that puts that type of score on the Tigers. So uh, they're all the same as well. Um, a few guys obviously got HIAs last week, and they're all good to go this week. Jeez, a bit of a danger game for the Eels, do you think, with the Knights under so much pressure? Or you're just confident, mate, that they're just going to put another big score on? Mate, everyone's under pressure playing Eels at the moment. You're, uh, you're expected to win, but they just keep dominating. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm just looking forward to the game, mate. The fact that we're not playing um, um, uh, Melbourne, Melbourne, or uh, or the Melbourne or the Chooks or South getting away from home, um, it's, it's not the most difficult of matchups, but it's not going to be easy either. Um, any, any team playing at home in their own backyard on, on a weekend is going to be tough, mate. But um, yeah, I expect the Knights to show up. But I think off the back of the, uh, the Eels' big win last week, well, uh, confidence and momentum are a, bit, are a big thing. Yeah, I reckon this one's going to be a, a close one. Um, and I actually think I'm going to have to tip the Knights, even though that's a big upset. Um, I think they, they just have to bounce back. Palin Pong is the main guy to talk about, though. Um, he's one of the top trading targets this week, and he was last week, and with good reason. You should be getting him in this week. Last three rounds, Ponga has gone since he moved to fullback, 83, 81, and 88. I've captained him the last two weeks, and I am very hesitant to take the C off him this week, especially being the last game of the round. Ooh. See, interesting move. Um, yeah, probably a better option than Jervo, isn't he? <laughs> He's got um, a three-round average of 84, mate. Oh, he just looks so consistent, yeah. But, um, like I said before, he's just one of those guys that he just, just doesn't play round 12, but you just have to have because he's just so consistent. Um, 
I can't really think of anyone else. Someone captained um, Gutherson last week, but I wouldn't be doing that this week. Um, completely different team. Um, yeah, I think I think uh, Pong is the only captaincy, captaincy option there. The heat map shows that um, Eels center three quarters or Knights center three quarters are most likely to score well this week. But do you, do you see any of those actually being worthwhile buying or or playing if you have them? Look, if um. If the Knights were playing round 12, I'd be pretty keen to start having a look a little bit more. But um, because they don't, I, I couldn't buy any. I'd be pretty happy if I owned Jesse Ramian right now. Um, I didn't like him as a buy this year, but for this game and for this run, he scored 71 points last week and was busting a lot of tackles. I think he had nine tackle breaks. Um, and the week before, he had 59, 49, and 62. So he has been doing well the last month. And he's got the Eels this week, and then he's got uh, the Warriors and the Dogs. So... If I had Jesse Ramian, I'd be pretty happy. Um, he's probably the only other guy in those outside backs that looks interesting for this week. Yeah, yeah, you're right. It's a shame he doesn't play earlier in the round. This might, he, he might have been the sneaky, sort of really, really left field DC option. Yeah, 480k. He's, um, you could certainly do worse than having him, but um, yeah, I'd, I don't think I could trade him in. Wouldn't trade him in, but I'd definitely be. Surely, surely you're playing him this week and maybe VC next week or the week after. Yep. Lachlan Fitzgibbon hasn't scored a try all year. I reckon he's going to score one this week. That's one of my other big calls for this night's power game. He runs left-hand side, so he won't be running at the lane, so I can't see it happening. <laughs> well, let's talk about Sean Lane then, because he's a little bit of a better story. He um, he had a, a line break and a try on the weekend. Um, he also had a try assist. And even though um, he didn't have a massive work rate, like we said, all he had to do was hit that attack again, and he'd be all good. So... He had that round three to four of 42 and 36 points, and me and you were both pretty adamant we are just going to hold him because he just needed the attack. Gave us 56 last week in base, which was impressive, or base and base attack, and then he busts out for 87. He's now got a 22 BE. He's only uh, you know 20K below his starting price or thereabouts, and he's looking the goods again, mate. Yeah, doing his job. He's not fancy, but he, like we said, his sheer size gets him over the line from time to time, so... Um... It's just frustrating that, you know, he had that one game where his base was a lot, his base was really low and it just seemed to be an anomaly. But it threw the confidence off big time and um, I think uh, Flegler named it at lock last week, sort of threw a bit of a spanner in the works and I ended up playing him over him over, um, over Lane. Yeah, oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I saw, I saw. Flegler being, you know, 1.1 1, 1, 1,000 points, points for a minute. Like I was, quite, I saw him being named a lot. And I thought, oh, what am I, what am I going to do? He's sure, he's surely going to play at least sort of uh, 50 minutes here. So I, um, yeah, I just switched lane to him at the last minute, and then, yeah, and ended up scoring what 40, 45 points in like 34 minutes or something, or 38 minutes or something or other. So, yeah, it was absolutely filthy, filthy with a C ball. I haven't forgiven him yet, but. Um, it's good to see Lane do, Lane, <laughs> Lane do the job, though, even though I, I haven't played him for any of those scores. <laughs> well, um, I, you know, the Knights' um, edge defence, really the Knights' defence everywhere was abysmal last week. It was a really tough game to watch, even as a non-Newcastle fan. Uh, so Lane has to be a pretty good shot at hitting some attack again against those Newcastle edges. Yeah, I'm not leaving him out again, put it that way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I'm excited for him. Um Sivo went over for a line break and try to, to get his money-making going again as well, um, which is good to see. So now he's down to a BE of only 16, um, and he's got 80 points from last week against the Tigers in the average. 
He's someone who I even considered this week as well, Billy, if I thought the Eels were going to put a score on the Knights. Um, he's someone who could back that up 80 points and get another try and a line break this week, I thought. Oh, yeah, he could 100%, but I'm sick of picking the wrong wingers and sending three quarters, mate, so I'm just, I'm just <laughs> going to stick to my guns and just, just play the high base guy, leave all these bloody wingers out and hope that, you know, uh, Lady Luck's on my side for a bloody change. Yep, yep, agreed. Um, is there any other big names that you're looking at scoring well for this game, mate? No, not this game, mate. I, I think if you own Clamour, you've been doing really well at the moment. His minutes, his minutes continue to be continue to be really good. Um, Lane's obviously coming good. Playing, playing if you got him. Yeah, I reckon the Knights are going to win, um, and I think it'll be a good game. I reckon it's going to be something like a twenty six twenty Newcastle win, uh, and I reckon all the big names are fire. I'm looking forward to the Kalen Ponga, Kalen Ponga versus Clint Gutherson battle. The two number ones going head to head. They're um, two of the best number one options in the game at the moment on form. Should be a good final round game. Um, and on that note, mate, that's the last one. So good luck this week. Hopefully you get a good score from Lane since you're going to have to play him now and you missed out on his 87. Oh, mate. <laughs> it's a rope ball. I was, I was 5 for 500 to start. I, mean, ended, I think I ended up on um, 11. I was on 11.40 with three players to come. Unfortunately, that was uh, Ocker and Flegler and Farrah. <laughs> my fourteen hundred projection ended up being about eleven eighty, so not really happy. Oh, I'll talk about it, but anyway, I was on about eleven sixty with um with one player to go, but that was Sean Lane, so I went. I ended up going all right. <laughs> uh, good stuff. All right, cheers, mate. We'll chat to you next week. Thanks, buddy. Thanks for listening, everyone. You can uh, download us or listen on iTunes or SoundCloud. I uh, got a heap of shares on Twitter last week. Thanks, guys. Ended up picking up a heap of followers, a few more listeners, which is great. Follow us on Twitter if you're not already, NRL underscore SC underscore All Stars. You can get all the info on there. Um, share us around as well. And like always, good luck this week. Hopefully, everyone has a fantastic Anzac Day. Heads all day. That's my call if you're in the two-up ring. Otherwise, good luck with your captain season. We'll chat next week.